Hey, y'all, I'm going to take a second to give a quick shout out to the official mortgage lender of the Hunt with Deep podcast. That's Casey Burns of Prime Lending Mortgage. I've known Casey for 10 years and he's the only lender I use. I've used Casey to purchase two houses and the process has been seamless and easy each time. He's the heart of an educator and he truly cares about what's best for his clients. He specializes in VA loans, but can handle FHA, conventional investment loans as well. He's a true expert and specialist in his field, and there's no one I recommend more than Casey. You can contact Casey at casey.burns at primelending.com. Reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at www.closewithkc.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey guys, thanks for listening this week. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate the hell out of you listeners. Um, I just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up. October 15th, we have a new drop. Our fall drop, our fall line is coming out. And we got some awesome new stuff coming out that you guys are not going to want to miss. A um, couple things that we got coming out. We got a new fish lift t-shirt and sweatshirt. The return of the deadlifting bear, the crowd pleaser, it's coming back. Uh, the return of our first ever HLE shirt. So OG throwing it back. Uh, we've got my personal favorite deer camp shirt coming out. Uh, it's got a cabin on it. Deer camp, very reminiscent. Love it. Totally appropriate this time of year. Uh, crew neck sweatshirts. We got two new stickers coming out and we have three blaze hats coming out. Perfect for hunting season and hunting regulations where you need to wear blaze orange. Check those out. And then I think the most long awaited, most excited uh, people are pumped about. We got three styles of HLE shorts coming out that you are not going to want to miss. So check that out October 15th. We appreciate you guys and we'll talk to you next week. What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast. This is Perry coming at you back in the saddle, pun intended, and uh, joined as always by Carter. And we got John Ritter back on the show this evening, as well as Chris Page talking saddle hunting tonight. How you doing today, fellas? Good, real good. I'm doing well, thank you. Glad to be here as always. I like what you did there, Perry. That was real yeah, clever. It was totally, totally impromptu. I'm but. really glad that, you know, I'm glad we had you open it because, you know, my clever ability is lacking on, on that front. And I, w- I wouldn't have been able to connect the dots there. <laughs> well, that's about the extent of mine. So I'm pretty much <laughs> tapped out for the evening. <laughs> but we got a couple uh, saddle hunting experts or a step below expert. And then you got me down here, never hunted out of a saddle before, but we're talking saddles tonight. Saddle hunting, gearing up for uh, hunting season here. Recording date is August 23rd. Let's go around the horn. When does deer season open for you guys, Chris? When, when do y'all get after it? September 15th. Uh, it September might actually be 15th. The, the 14th this year, but that, okay. that Wednesday, whatever that is. I got you. So I see your bow behind you. Yep. You've been practicing, you've been shooting. Yeah, yeah. Going with a heavier arrow setup this year than usual for the moose trip. So I got. You. I just I got my hear. arrows in today. <laughs> John, you're in a new location. When's your deer season open up? I am. I've been here for less than 14 days. I already have my hunting license. Before I before I did anything else here, I didn't I didn't have anything set. I had a hunting license, a fishing license, and the rule book, and I can start hunting on September 18th. There you go. I just found out there's dove hunting here though, which I've never had. Um, oh, nice! Today, so I got to look that up. That might be earlier. Yeah, well, dove hunting's great. There's no rules. You can wear anything. You can do anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Hopefully, uh, it's lucrative. What about you, Perry? 
Yeah, the two states I primarily hunt in, uh, North Carolina, Virginia. North Carolina starts September 17, I believe it is. And Virginia is a couple weeks later, October 1. So, got to wait a little while for Virginia, but it feels like North Carolina is right around the corner here. So, I'm pumped. And I'm sitting over here Googling when my archery season opens up. That's how prepared I am right now. <laughs> looks like September 10th, but I'm not exactly positive. <clears throat> so, boys, I'm not the expert tonight. Well, I don't know that, that I am either, but that's why we got we got Chris and, and John. Uh, it makes you feel better, Carter. Last year, I drove all the way out to my hunting spot. It was one of those places you got to call in to check in. Yeah. And it wouldn't let me. And I was like, I was motherfucking the system, could not log in. And I like, you know, I had the rule book in the backseat of my truck and I flipped it open. I drove like an hour and a half and I was a week early. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little eager. Yeah. A little eager. Nice. All right. Well, let's break it down. Chris, how long have you been saddle hunting? How long have you been, been hunting? Give us, give us your background. Is this your first podcast with us? This is my first, po- first podcast with you guys. That's what yeah. I'm talking yeah. about. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Chris, yeah. give us a give us a Chris Page rundown, kind of who you are, where you're at. All right, what, I'm. What's uh, like for you? I'm up in New England. I'm in Connecticut on the on the uh, Long Island Sound shore. Uh, so actually, not too far from some of your other guests that you've had on here recently, um, just across the sound. Uh, kind of a mix of suburban and rural areas. We're on the edge of like, kind of like the suburb farmland woods transition before you start getting into the cities of Massachusetts and stuff. So it's a really cool place to hunt. Um, you can kind of get off the beaten path and get back in, or there's a lot of guys that hunt like the suburban thing. Uh, this is going to be my 20th season. I've been hunting since I was 12 years old. I just turned 32. So it's going to be season number 20 for me. Uh, I've hunted everything from deer. Uh, I was real big into ducks when I was a kid. That's really what got me into hunting was uh, going duck hunting just because it was a it was a blast, ton of action. You could talk with your friends, hang out, drink coffee, make eggs. It was like any fourteen year old kid's dream hunt, you know. So <laughs> I had a blast doing that. Um, I'm a firefighter, so I have an awesome schedule when it comes to hunting. I work twenty four hours on, then I have three days off, and I pretty much save all my vacation time for November, late October, November. So I don't I take all that time off. Don't go to work. I'm in the woods, in the tree, chasing the dog, chasing grouse or woodcock or pheasant or whatever. So I get after it quite a bit, and that's kind of my jam. But for saddle hunting, I've only been saddle hunting for three years, but I kind of devoted a lot of time to learning it and and uh, trying to find all the nuances, what what's good about it, what's not so good about it, and kind of putting the screws to it and seeing how it how it applies to how I hunt. So what was the, what was the thing that got you into saddle hunting? Um, was it, you know, it's John and John and I've talked about this ad nauseum. It's, it's definitely obviously picked up a lot of traction. Um, yeah, you know, kind of mainstream hunting world, hunting community in recent years. Uh, John, I saw John do it and talking about it. And that was what first intrigued me about it. And then knowing yep. that I was going to start getting some new properties and be more mobile, was it was it similar for you? Yeah, yep. So New England's a little different. Like when you think of deer hunting, 
particularly in the Midwest, you think like the hang on stands and the climbing sticks and, and that kind of setup. But I tried that. And, uh, when, when I first started hunting as a kid, you know, I think I was like 14 years old when I saved up money from birthdays and mowing lawns and stuff and bought my first climber. And, uh, when I got into the climber setup, it, it really worked well. There was no real reason to switch to anything else other than really curiosity. So I hunted out of a climber for a while, did well with it. And then you see all these dudes hunting out of hang on stands with sticks. And I said, well, if I'm going to be a real deer hunter, I got to hunt out of hang on stand with sticks. So I went and bought a, a setup uh, like that. That worked all right. It really wasn't the, like, just the way the woods are here in New England. There's really no advantage. Like all the, it's harder to find a tree that's not suited for a climber than it is to find a tree where you need a hang on. I mean, they're just the bottom 30, 40 feet are straight, no limbs, tall canopies. So it's, it's pretty conducive to hunting out of a climber here. But the downside to that is I've been starting to hunt a lot more public land. Um, I have a couple private land properties that I hunt, um, real close, but following like the hunting public and everything and all those guys. And now there's such a big push to hunt public land. I started hunting public land myself and getting way back off the, the access roads and the beaten paths, carrying that 20 something pound climber around with all the food for the day and everything started weighing me down. So that pushed me to go to a saddle just for the lightweight and mobility of it. Um, I was never really the kind of hunter that sat in one stand and hunted that same stand over and over again. I was always inching my way closer. If I'd set up in a spot one night, I'd see deer 50 yards away. So I'd move 20 yards closer the next night and then see the deer 60 yards in the other direction. So I'd, I'd move 40 yards over there. So that was kind of more my style than actually sitting in one spot and waiting for them to come to me. So it really worked out and the, the saddle has been awesome for my style, but I can definitely see where it wouldn't be as applicable to a lot of other people's styles. What about you, John? I know we've only hunted together once, but you're like one of the most mobile individuals I've ever hunted with. You like, you like to move around. You like the mobility. I can't hear you, John. Classic mute. <laughs> um, I said that, that's what, uh, that's what having like borderline hunting ADHD will do to you, man. Cause I just can't kind of like Chris is talking about, like if, if I go to a tree and there's deer 50 yards away, I'm not sitting in that tree the next day and they might walk right underneath it. Cause I could have scout, you know what I mean? But I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm moving. Um, I think a lot of that comes from, I grew up waterfowl hunting and that was all I did for 10, 12 years and then moving around the country a little bit. The waterfowl hunting locations weren't as good. So I got into deer hunting. Yeah, you got to find the X. I just you got to keep moving. And I, the first place I was at, I bought a climber and it worked pretty well. Kind of like Chris is talking about, there was really no need to deviate or I didn't think so anyway, you know, cause I was having success. I was getting in spots. And then as I was getting more into deer hunting, I, you know, I discovered saddles and went down the rabbit hole and ended up on the saddle hunter forum. Um, there's a pretty robust Facebook page now as Perry's talking about, it's growing a lot. There's a saddle hunter page that you can go on there and ask a question and you'll get 35 responses in 20 minutes <laughs> but initially the forum is where it was at and like during quarantine for COVID, i would spend 10 hours on that thing a day just 
perusing the thousand different setups you could do for saddle hunting and kind of settle on my first set. And the first time I hung, you know, my platform and sat my saddle, I, I looked at my climber, which I got right here, just in case I had any questions about weight or whatever, I could feel it. But I have not put that thing in a tree in like six years. Um, well, I guess it's only been three or four ever since I got the saddle, but I just haven't. And I've been like, yeah, man, I love this thing. I've killed deer out of it. I never want to sell it, but I've, it, it has not left my house ever since I bought a saddle. <laughs> Yeah, so now this is like the fourth way. year of me saying I'm never going to sell it. Like maybe year <laughs> five, I sell it. You're a convert. <laughs> I still look for reasons to go back to a climber. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like that. I'm, I'm always looking for playing the devil's advocate, looking for ways to make things better, what works better in what situation. So that's another reason why I like the saddle too, is because there's so much involved with it the, from the climbing system to the platform types, to the, just to the saddles themselves, even the gear, I, I, I'm kind of fascinated by that. Yeah, I agree. That was a huge draw for me in that, you know, with the, with the climber, it's just like, I mean, yeah, what? That's it. you got a bow strap or a hook or whatever, you know, in your backpack and the climber Yeah. and with a saddle, dude, there's like a thousand accessories and half of oh, them yeah. DIY. Yep. And yeah. Most of my stuff I've done DIY. Are you both like, like big gear guys in general? Like I am not so much like uh, I'm not really like a gadget gear guy. I'm more a gear guy, like know everything about what I have and use it exactly the way it's designed to be used and maximize its potential and come up with like off the cuff or oddball uses for different stuff. And I don't know. I like to tinker. So this is like the perfect kind of setup for that. I'm always messing with my gear and trying to make it better. And I, it, Actually, saddle hunting got me into sewing. So now I sew all my own pouches and uh, pouches for like my Western packs and stuff. And kind of, it's taken on a life of its own now. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, there's just so much to it. You know, I'm the opposite. I've saddle hunting kind of made me start tinkering because before that, like I would, I'm just a guy, like I'm not. I spend my money wisely, but when it comes to hunting, like I'll spend a billion dollars. I'll go broke mm. buying the nicest <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like I, for the first 10 years of my hunting experience, it was just like do a ton of research, buy this one product that's going to last my entire lifetime that costs way more than your average hunter is spending, but yeah. I don't have to mess with anything. I'm good to go from day one until I die. Yeah. And then I thought I was doing that with the saddle stuff with all the research I did. No, but me too. <laughs> with the way that saddle hunting has blown up, like, and I would encourage people to go on the saddle hunter forum. I think it's just saddlehunter.com. There's so much knowledge, but what's both a pro and a con is like, you could find an answer to a solution now. And if that post was three years ago, we are like light years ahead of that in the saddle hunting world. And, yeah. and that solution was great three years ago. And it's probably still great now and cost effective or whatever. But the amount of small innovative businesses that have popped up in the hunting world because of saddle hunting and just created limitless accessories that I, I, I think that I had like a 90% hold on the saddle hunting industry during quarantine. Like, honestly, there weren't that many companies out. I was reading nonstop. And right now I'd say I'm like 25, 30%. There's so much stuff out there that, and there's so many more small companies putting out awesome equipment. Yeah. I mean, I, I've only been, I bought my saddle in 2019 and 
so much has changed since then. It like just, just now they got carbon sticks and platforms that are attached to the stick and so many different things. And I thought I was like ahead of the game and being innovative with all this stuff. And, and now it's like some of the stuff, if you're not six months ahead, you're almost archaic because it's moving so fast. It's a, it's an awesome industry. I wish I was smart enough to be inside the industry and not yeah. on the outside looking in. <laughs> it's funny. So. You guys talking about that. I was just, I was actually looking at some stuff earlier today on uh, Tethered's website. It's been a little while since I've been to Tethered. I run the, you know, the Phantom Saddle. And I hadn't been on their website in a while. And I was like, holy crap, they've added a lot of new stuff. And it's the same, like you're saying, John, with a lot of these smaller companies that have, where this this kind of style of this run and gun, you know, mobile. I mean, there's obviously folks out there doing it with, with um, you know, traditional stands, but... Um, but with saddle hunting in particular in these companies, it's, it's, it's literally changing faster than you could keep up with it. unless you were doing like you're saying, John, and literally spending hours every single day, um, keeping up to date with the research. And, and I, it's funny because I think I told you and Luke after the first year of, of, uh, of me trying to saddle and maybe not even after that first year, I was like, man, this is created a problem because this is going to be one of those things where you're never going to feel like your setup is done. No. You're never going to feel like it's complete. <laughs> you're never going to be like, man, there's not one thing I could possibly do to, to uh, make this better. Exactly. Because it's just like, it, you can constantly change it. You, and, and with all the innovation that's going on with these companies, it's, it's bad for the bank account. Oh yeah. All right. So sure. break it, break it down for me. What are we, what are like the basic pieces that we're looking at, right? I've never hunted out of one, but I understand there's a platform. I understand there's like a little thing that you sit on. I understand there's got to be a tether to the tree, yep. right? Yep. So break down the pieces. That's what confuses a lot of people is I, I think the ropes are kind of intimidating to a lot of people because there are so many ropes involved. So I've, I've seen pictures of like a lot of ropes in pockets and in like yep. climbing <laughs> yeah. bags and things like that. And it just looks like shit I could get caught up on. So you have your tether, which essentially it, that's just uh So just like a lineman's tether? It, yeah, yep. It's so very similar to that. No, not it, really, kind of. It can be mine you is a actually built like, like a normal lineman doing electrical work or tree yeah. work. Yeah. To climb the tree. And then you tether yeah. in once you get tied. They're two different ropes, but they're very similar. Okay. So I yeah, and and like my setup's gonna be a lot different than John and Perry's, but um one way you could do it is just have a long lineman lineman's belt. And you would have like a, what's called a prusik, which is a, a smaller diameter rope that is designed to grab and lock onto your tether or your alignment belt. And that's how you adjust the length. So I guess in short, you girth hits the tree with the tether and then you use your prusik to adjust how far you lean forward or lean back into the tree. So that like locking knot, that prusik knot is what allows you to get closer to the tree. So attached to that prusik knot, it's like a little loop that has like finger kind of looking things. It almost looks like a fist grabbing the rope in it. When there's tension on it, it grabs. When it's slack, it loosens up so you can slide it. And that is where you connect what's called the bridge, which is that it's like a rope that goes from one side of your hip to your other side of your hip. And that's what's actually locked into the saddle. So... With saddle hunting, you're kind of locked to the tree all the time, which is they pitch that as a a big safety point. It's not like a 
a harness where you can fall and shock load your system. You really don't shock the system at all with the saddle. It's pretty much a static load all the time unless you fall off your platform or something. But then we're talking inches, not like half a body length, you know. Mm-hmm. So you got your saddle, which we know kind of what that looks like. It's like that big web thing goes around your hips. Uh, your bridge connects to your saddle hip to hip, forms like a triangle. That connects to your tether, which, whichever method you use, uh, whether it's uh, like a modified lineman's belt or an actual dedicated tether. I actually use what's called a, a one stick technique. So I climb the tree with only one stick. So I'll strap the stick to the tree, climb up on the stick. Uh, I use a, a, a section of rope out of my pocket, wrap that around the tree. And I connect myself basically to that with a, it's called a descender, which is like a rock climbing device. It's like a rappel device or even a belay device. Um, and that locks me in that, that allows me to slide up and down on that one rope. So then once I'm set, I reach down, I hang from the saddle. I reach down below me, grab the stick and put it up as high as I can reach and then strap the stick to the tree and then do it again, climb up over the stick. And I kind of like leapfrog my way up the tree. So I use that rope as my tether. That's like a like a 35-foot piece of 9-millimeter rope. And then once I'm done with the hunt, instead of climbing back down and taking all my sticks out, I just slide down on that descender, grab my stick off the tree, and slide right to the bottom and pull the rope down. So gotcha. I did think- you start out one-sticking, or did you switch from using multiple sticks? I... Honestly, I don't remember. I, if I did use multiple sticks, it was only for maybe one or two hunts. I hated multiple sticks from when I used to use the hang-on. So I was pretty early on looking for different ways to to hunt without sticks. Just because I didn't like the way they carried. They aren't very portable. Now there's more backpacks out and everything that carry them better. And the, the sticks are smaller and lighter, more compact. But when I was looking into this, it was, I mean muddy pro sticks were like the stick to have for their lightweight and everything. And they were still, I mean, they still weigh like 15 pounds, I think all bundled up. So yeah, I, I very early on started doing the one stick thing and that I've loved that. I think that to do a one stick climb is probably the biggest advantage because that's going to be your most weight savings really. Cause if you still have to carry all the sticks in the woods, you're not, you're saving weight, but you're not saving a huge amount of weight. Whereas if you cut out a tree stand and your sticks, you're saving a hell of a lot more weight. What's your setup look like, John? So to go back just real quick and answer your question very simply, I think I identify three components that you need something to stand on platforms, the most popular, a method to climb. There's like, probably seven to 10 at this point. And then your saddle and saddle and connection to the tree. Um, there's a billion other accessories and you need to hold your bow and hold your gear and hold your binoculars and everything. But those are the three essentials. So I have a platform, which you said we could pull video off this. So I just went and grabbed it. And the platform is essentially a miniature tree storm or tree stand platform. I use like a cam buckle to go around the tree, just like a regular tree stand. If you had like a hang on, right? Just a really small version of that without a seat. You put like two or three feet on it. Uh, and then 
you sit down on your saddle or I sit down on my saddle. I use my lineman's belt to climb the tree, just like a regular, uh, you know, lineman with four climbing sticks. And if you haven't seen climbing sticks, it's just like a metal post with steps on it. The attached to the tree with cam buckles, you know, space them two, three feet apart. You can get 18 to 20 feet with four sticks. Um, and then I have my saddle. I use the, uh, tethered phantom, which was groundbreaking in 2020. It's probably antique now. <laughs> so this is the saddle that you sit in. I got my little like bags to hold my ropes on my right and my left, the bridge. And, uh, I strap into the tree and then I put a gear hanger in front of me and hang my bow, my backpack and everything hangs behind the tree and provide some concealment from hopefully deer. I don't know if we're going to transition to this now or later, but that's one of the supposed advantages of saddle hunting is you set up with the tree in between you and where you think the animal is going to approach from, you know, so yeah, you have your body and your backpack behind the tree. Yeah. Let's talk pros. Why, why did this take off with such like wildfire success or like popularity, I guess. What's the draw? Uh, I, one of the biggest draws I think that I've seen, and, and this is, I think I'm, I have a decent opinion just because I've, I've hunted in like I've deer hunted in like six or seven States that I've lived in in the last six or seven years. I've moved a lot. So I've been forced not just to do a weekend hunt in whatever, like I've had to do a full season in six different spots. And there are some locations where a climber is just like detrimental. Like I get to an area and I'm like, Hey, this is a great, like if I had a rifle, sure. I could, I could have killed a couple of deer, but I found myself just like not being able to get inside of that bubble with a climber. Cause I just couldn't find a tree that didn't have 30 limbs in the first 20 feet, you know, that I, that I could safely and effectively climb in a quiet manner. So there's that. Is just the versatility of the climber depending on your location or I'm sorry, the saddle depending on your location. Like you can, I still don't like having a ton of limbs. Like they say that you can climb any tree, right? Even if it's a ton of limbs, you get above like, I'm, I'm like a tree stand wuss, man. I get above like 10 feet and I'm like, I start, like, I don't like it. I don't like heights. <laughs> I am not, I'm not into it. People who do this stuff without, you know, or go up in climbers and uh, hang ons without, restraints like I th- your psychopaths can't do it no way so even with a with a saddle you're doing the lineman's method up like if you have a bunch of branches you either need a second lineman's belt or you have to disconnect hug the tree throw it over the fuck the branch and hook back in and the second lineman's belt is really kind of a pain so even being a wuss i find myself just being really scared for like 15 seconds and like throwing it over the branch and you know, so there's like, there's that brief time period where you're, I'm not connected to the tree and that, which is completely unsafe. And I don't, you know, sanction it or advise it, but I'm sure, uh, there's plenty of people here probably listening to this that don't even use any sort of restraint. So I don't feel that bad. Um, but I think that's, that's the biggest advantage. And then, you know, once you're, once you're actually hunting and you're up in the tree, they say you can shoot 360, which is, it's true. It's not like as easy as it's made out to be on all the, you, all the marketing campaigns, but you can, you can shoot 360 in the backyard. I, I, that's kind of where I draw <laughs> the line. <laughs> and then, I've, uh, I've been busted a couple of times trying to shoot the true 360 in the woods and that. Why? Well, Cause you got to lean out kind of far. You it's do have just to a lean. lot of moving. Yeah. You yeah. got to lean. It's a lot of moving. And I mean, I've, you, you can shoot a, a yearling anywhere 
360 right, degrees yeah. around the tree. But when you're well, because they can hunting, see you, and you still got eight seconds yeah. to get on them. And, you know, yeah, when you're hunting bigger, more mature deer, the the movements, and you're not getting not getting away with it, and it, it's cost me. But so I don't, and I don't know if this is what you were talking about in your article because I just read it last week when I found out we were doing this. Should have read it sooner, my bad. But That's I don't want right. to drop. But I but I read it, and I read it again today. <laughs> but you mentioned not being able to shoot 360. Um, I think you're talking about like your weak side, which is your non-shooting side. Is that correct? Yeah. You're talking about the six o'clock. The the so basically I'm a I'm a righty, so I shoot to yep. my left. So the so that, like getting, eleven yeah, o'clock or, right. or that one or two o'clock shot for you. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, the, for me, whatever reason, it's a real hard shot. And I kind of so, changed my setup this year a little bit because I didn't, I wasn't using a platform. I was using, uh, the scout from out on a limb, which is, uh, yep. mm-hmm. essentially like a four platform on the top of your stick. Yeah. And that, yeah. that was great for the hike in, but it was, it was real difficult to kind of finagle my feet on that, especially when I'm wearing my insulated boots and stuff in late November. Um, yeah, you need a little more real estate. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even have big feet, but that, that kind of, I struggled with that a little bit. Um, so yeah, for me, it was just really hard to shoot to that like three o'clock position. Um, and it was, it was frustrating. I did shoot a buck on on that three o'clock position this year. Um, and he was close. He was like 12 yards and it was, he had his nose to the ground. It was like November 13th or 14th or something like that and he had his nose to the ground and he was sniffing where a doe had walked through so I, I was able to get away with that little bit extra movement um and fortunately i was able to pull it off but i mean i almost got busted i've been busted before trying to get into that one of my first hunts um out of the saddle i look up just to like the one o'clock and here comes a beautiful eight um and it was early. It was like five o'clock in the afternoon and where I am, they don't even move till 10 minutes before so, uh, like dark pretty much. So Harry comes walking right at me just off that right hand side. And I was, could not get to that side in order to, to get a shot off in time. And I was able to watch him for a while. He didn't really bust me, bust me, but I just, I had missed the opportunity cause I couldn't get into position. Um, so it's cost me a few times, but I still think for someone who's going deep and putting on miles to get where they hunt, I think the saddle is definitely going to be worth it if, if they're trying to cut weight and, and cut what, what they're doing, essentially cut, basically make it easier to access where they're going. For me, that's the biggest, because like we talked about earlier, picking a tree is not a problem. For me, it's the hike in and that that's where, what really draws me to the saddle. When you take that, that weak side shot, Chris or, or John, I don't know if you've tried this shot yet on an actual deer. Did you go like up and kind of under around, like un- yes. under your bridge and, and rotate Chris? I knew you were going to ask that. Yeah. Or did you yeah. do something else? No, I, so in the past I've basically turned to my bow side. So if I'm facing the tree, I turn around the long way to my left. So, which is a, (laughs) it's a pain in the ass, but that's how I had to do it in order to get my, my feet to stay on that, that little platform that I had. Um, a couple, it was like a week ago, two weeks ago, maybe my buddy and I went out just to practice that almost exclusively. And he had a, 
a platform that ended up buying off them because I'm done with that little platform. So I just bought a, a Predator platform just for a little more room for my feet so I can maneuver a little bit better. And that, I was also able to figure out that if I come, so if I'm facing the tree, the deer's on my right, and I need to get to that right side, I'll tuck, I'll turn to my right side and kind of tuck my bow under all of my, uh, under the bridge and everything and under the, the tether. And that worked a little bit better. And it was a lot easier with a bigger platform. Um, but it's still, I mean, to pull that off, if a buck's chasing a doe or a buck's, you spook them or something happens, it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a tough shot. Well, and, and all of this just hammers home a point with if, if anyone out there is considering getting into saddle hunting, which is, you know, a point that we've talked about on a variety of topics, but if you are going to do it, um, it's enough of a change, especially if you have that familiarity with hunting out of a, a climber or a lock on where getting those reps in, going out and practicing, like you just said, before it actually comes time to make that game time shot is critical because I know the first year that I, I guess, you know, two years ago in the off season, I made the decision to get a saddle pretty close towards the end of season. It wasn't like I had it for months and months. And the first time I went up there, I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I got to get my bow up here and start shooting because this is way different than shooting obviously on the ground or, but even from a a tree stand and, uh, you know, again, it's like theoretically in the backyard. Yes, I agree. You can, you can take 360 yard shots and you can do it in the field. And there's obviously a variety of factors that go into it. Um, my, I was fortunate that my, the, the one I've only killed one deer from the saddle. It was a, it was like perfect textbook shot. Strong side was hiding behind the tree, leaned out, broadside at 20 yards i mean it was couldn't have couldn't have asked for a better situation for my first but but (laughs) that is rarely how it actually happens Um, right right and so understanding that yes while you may in theory have the ability to shoot 360 there are still going to be limitations on uh, certain places where that deer can come out is going to be very critical to, to getting comfortable and, and making that decision about whether or not it's an ethical shot in the field. Yeah. Taking, I mean, practicing extensively is going to be critical to hunting out of a saddle. I went from being able to shoot like consistent baseball size groups at 40 yards on the ground or in a tree. And then once I got in the saddle, they expanded like the size of a basketball. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? And, uh, it's, it's just, it's different the the way you stabilize yourself and it, it's, you need to practice. And I bought my saddle like a week into the season. Um, I had hunted a little bit. I shot a doe from, uh, I had a lone wolf hang on and as I'm climbing down, I said, I'm, I'm done with the hang on. This is just ridiculous. So I got home and quarter the dough hung her up and immediately jumped on saddlehunter.com and started <laughs> researching and looking and that turned into a all-day affair and eventually i bought a, a latitude which was one of their original two panels the method one and it's been it's been good but it was definitely eye-opening like listening to the claims from and not even just the saddle companies. It's not like the saddle companies are the one pushing all this 
like oh you can shoot 360 degrees around the tree and it's everybody like the on the, in the world yeah yeah it's like <laughs> yeah. oh well the guy has a saddle so his <laughs> saddle's the best saddle and yeah you know how that goes and it, it it's like i said it's been great it is exactly the tool that i've needed but it it, it does not come without its learning curves and without its uh downsides too so in your article you talked about you know how your anchor points and stuff like that can change it kind of ties mm-hmm. in what what you were just talking about like how your accuracy would change. I mean, clearly even just practicing flat footed in your backyard versus shooting out of a tree stand, you know, just the elevation itself is something a lot of people don't account for. Right. But and then the, the elevation I was that, used like, to leaning, right. Is, yeah, that, exactly. is that what throws everything off? Yeah. You just wind up in positions you never think you'd your, be your in. Your like, eyes line up different. Your chin lines yeah. up different. Your you're on, be you're on one foot, your forward foot reaching, trying to pull around the tree and like doing all these crazy, like, just to get that 360 degree shot or you like lean out behind you and now you're reaching out behind you on the other foot and you only have, you just, I guess you're, for me, my body awareness was thrown off. So it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm all lined up. I'm in the proper bow form. But I'm sure if you took a picture of me, I was still all contorted and it just throws my anchor point off. And it, I noticed that when you, when I go to draw and I normally anchor on my jawbone, and now I'm anchored way behind my ear. And it's like, what the hell? And I, my thing is like, oh, I must have fucked my bow up. And now my draw length is two and a half inches longer. Like, what the hell? But no, it's all your anchor point And <laughs> it's just how everything plays out. I mean, so that you definitely have to practice in the tree. That that That's almost non-negotiable to, to hunt ethically just because of how different it is. And it's not impossible. I was able to overcome it. Um, yeah. I still definitely shoot better on the ground. But I mean, I shoot better on the ground than I did in the tree stand too. So. It's just practice getting reps. Um, and you don't even really have to be up high. You can just throw, you've got no, a tree you can be in your yard. Up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just throw your, throw your tether around a tree in the backyard at ground level and just get used yep. to kind of swinging and, and doing that. Because that's the, that's the first thing I noticed was one, like doing any movement left and right. The first time I was in this thing, like I was swinging around the tree falling off the platform i was like good god i'm glad because i'm normally like a throw away the instruction manual dude and like i'm just going hunting <laughs> and like for whatever reason probably just out of excitement uh i started messing with this thing in the backyard and was just like that was the first thing i noticed was i might have i might have messed up because i can't even stay on this platform like <laughs> screw shooting 360 dude like i can't shoot a 15 degree <laughs> angle right now and then it the like the first thing I was pulling my bow back was it was substantially more difficult, and I think it's just because your core is off or whatever. But like I can pull seventy degrees on my bow, standing in a tree stand or my backyard, no problem. And not that it, yeah, I don't know if I just wasn't prepared for it, but like I the first time I went to drop or drop back my bow in the saddle, like I struggled to get it back, and then I you know messed with my body position and like kind of got and I don't who knows I could have been standing crazy backwards and my, my bridge was too long or you know what i mean i could have been damn near mm-hmm. horizontal I don't, I don't know what i was doing wrong because now it's not really an issue but you have to get those kinks figured out because there's just there's a lot more going on but it's it's like it's like chris said it's very easily like you can very easily overcome these small setbacks by like three practice sessions of 20 minutes in your backyard but they they have to happen it's almost like trying to do a bench press with your feet off the ground like you can still do it. Yeah. That's it just, that's it just feels weird and you're not going to have the same just... strength. Yeah. It's just gone. Um, but, but I like, 
like we said, it, it comes back. You, you get used to it. You get comfortable. Um, and then you expanded the the radius of where you can shoot or I guess uh, like your where like the directional. You shoot left, you shoot right, forward, backward, and it, it all clicks. You figure it out. And one of the things I've found, which I don't know if you guys have had similar experiences, is that going back to some of the, the pros, um, like you mentioned that you don't have to be, you know, 20 feet off the ground necessarily. You can, you can, you can let the circumstances dict, you know, of the environment that you're in dictate how you want to hunt rather than looking yeah. for that perfect climber tree. And an example of that is, I mean, hell last year, um, Evan shot a doe out of his saddle. He, he bought a saddle last year and it was his first, uh, saddle kill and we had done some scouting. Um, he was like, man, I really want to hunt this little area. I think there's a, there's some good, you know, there's some good, um, pinch points right here. And we got to looking at, it. I was like, man, there's this tree right here. That's the perfect spot. And it's got all of this structure around it where if you were right there, I think with the right wind, you would be invisible. Like, I, I don't think they would pick you out. But the problem is it was like seven feet off the ground. <laughs> right, and, right. and I was like, and he was, and the, th- the thing about it was, is he didn't even need, there was like enough branches and stuff. You could climb the tree without even having to have a climbing system. I was like, dude, you could literally roll up here with your saddle, be in the tree in less than a minute probably, and be seven feet off the ground. And I think you're going to be invisible with the right wind. And sure enough, yeah. he waited for the right wind. He went and sat there one evening and shot a doe. And I, and I found the same thing is that if you can, if you can use, uh, you know, the environment around you, it's since I have been in the saddle, it's been rare that I've been picked off, um, visually. Mm-hmm. If they don't smell me more often than not, I don't get busted. Um, if they wind you, then obviously you're, you're screwed either way. But even with, you know, some of that fidgeting, some of that movement, some of the things that's required to make, a 360 shot or, or a less than ideal shot. If you have, if you're not concerned about, you know, necessarily getting 20 feet and you just use your, um, your surroundings to your advantage. I think, I think there's a big, uh, visual advantage there that you get from being in the saddle. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, I mean, even when I would use my climber, I would look for a tree that split about 15 to 20 feet off the ground just for that purpose. And it it makes it even easier with the, uh, with the saddle because, now you don't have to look for a straight tree if it's there great if it's got good cover great but if you have a tree with like limbs or or splits or whatever all the better because it's just going to break up your outline so that's definitely an advantage one you can hide behind the tree and two you're kind of coming off the tree with the platform and everything at a more natural angle that's not like uh, a tree stand so much where you're just a big blob of dead weight hanging off the side of the tree you're more uh natural i guess in the woods you look more like a limb yeah i killed a deer on your property last year perry like four and a half five feet off the ground i was one stick um but one stick in the tree but it was one of those i I needed it it was the there was it was that that big white oak at the top of the ridge above your cabin yep um the wind was coming up over the ridge so i had to be down on like that longleaf pine side so i couldn't hunt from the ground because there's literally zero cover it is right. longleaf pine, like four feet around. All of those trees have about a million branches starting at three feet. So like there's no getting in those. And there was one 
dude, I, I would call this thing like a sapling. Like it was about as big around as a Pepsi can. <laughs> and I climbed this thing like five feet, hung out behind it. I had three deer at like seven yards and I shot one. You know, and a lot of that's just being downwind and not moving, right? Like I'm not, the saddle didn't like give me that. I probably could have killed it from the ground, but there was no cover from the ground. I was at least able to get like a couple inches above their head here and have like at least the Pepsi can to break out my outline a little bit. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's something I've, I've, um, definitely, I mean, the first year, the first, you know, couple of years, anytime you try something new, you learn a ton. Right. And like, hell I started bow hunting when I started saddle hunting, like I did it all. I'd never bow hunted in my life before that. So, I mean, that first year of, of archery hunting and using a saddle, I mean, it was like, I was learning something new every, every trip out, obviously. But, um, one of the things that I've realized as I'm now, like got a little bit of experience under my belt is that I'm approaching, you know, when I do my scouting and I'm approaching, what I think would might, might be a decent setup. I'm approaching it completely differently. Whereas before my thought was kind of like, you know, let me get high, let me get above their, their visual. And, that, and now it's like, let me get where they're going to walk. Let me get where they're going to be. Let me get where I know I'm going to absolutely, well, you can't never say absolutely, but where I know I'm going to have the wind in my favor and I can find a setup. I'll, I'll make something work. Right. Because you don't, ha- you can be in a tree. That's like you say, you know, it, it can be a sapling. Uh, you can be nine feet off the ground. Uh, if you got good structure behind you, if, if you're in a, you know, if you're in a limit, you know, you just have all these options. Um, it's, and honestly, man, I, on, on, uh, on our family farm there, John, one of the things that was like a huge aha moment for me is now I can take this, uh, this setup and apply it to rifle hunting and I can rifle hunt, that place completely differently because we have all our standard setups that we've been hunting for years out there, but now I can rifle hunt that place completely differently because I have the saddle. So I could still be, you know, set up for a 200 yard shot with a rifle, but not in one of our preset, you know, ladder stands and somewhere else that might have other advantages. Yeah. And just to talk on rifle real quick, because I, I think it's definitely like a lower percentage of people who hunt from a saddle with a rifle, but one of the big concerns there is like stability for long range shooting. And I found that you just take like two of those 12 inch bow arms and put one off the left side, one off the right side. And like you have your, you have a barrel rest, right? So it's not, it's not like you're freehand shooting 200 yards from a saddle at a 45 degree angle back with your rifle. You can set that thing up to have some serious stability. Yeah. I made a big hook out of, uh, out of aluminum and I just, I have like one of those HYS straps it's self-made. Yep. I, I made it myself, but it's got all the loops. So I can just take that one hook and just hook it to whatever side of the tree, wherever I need it in order to, uh, to like a big rest. And it seems to work pretty well. Uh, I, the only time I had the opportunity to shoot a deer with it, it was too close <laughs> and I had to shoot it almost directly under my stand. So it was up too high. Um, and then last year I shot a, another buck, an eight pointer, and I forgot it at home. So I pretty much freehanded that one, but it worked out. Yeah. But my, yeah, just a piece of aluminum I wrapped in uh, that vet wrap. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, it didn't have to be anything. Cause when I first, I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was, I was, you know, doing. And I was like, I was like, man, can I even, can I use this thing with a rifle or, 
a muzzle loader with a you know with a firearm or is that like taboo or is there you know and and sure enough you know there's there's a couple of easy very easy solutions out there for getting that stability and and turns out i think it's i think it's an awesome way to to try something new even for a for a gun hunter yeah even just resting the gun on the bridge with your hand in place seems to make it pretty stable so how about comfort you guys find your saddles comfortable i mean mine's not uncomfortable but it's definitely not as comfortable as a tree stand that is one thing i miss is the most comfortable tree stands i've ever had were my climbers yeah that's a question i had how long are y'all how long can you push it how long are you sitting i've done dark to dark sits yeah it's possible (laughs) a lot of them it's uncomfortable what's that it's kind of like you said dude i don't think i've ever been uncomfortable you know it's not like i'm like you yeah, know, I'm never itching to get down. It's not like wearing down, ski boots, like, like, you know. Right. But it's, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's not. You're not sitting on a sofa. That's for damn sure. Right. It depends I'm, on, and there's two, there's two different methods with saddle hunting too. Like some people lean or like sit. I guess you can sit essentially with like one of your thighs against the tree, mm-hmm. or you can just bend your knees a little bit and essentially like lean back from the tree at a whatever thirty degree angle. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't really like sitting. I, I, I tend to stand the most or most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do a little bit of both. But if you get in there super early, man, like I, I've fallen asleep in the saddle. Like you just kind of sit down and mm-hmm. put your head, you put your, you know, like your forearms on the bridge and. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've done the same Take a little thing. nap in there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah I, mean, I, like, I put my backpack on the tree, like, you know, for like a knee rest or whatever. Yep. Yeah. yeah I've, I wear knee pads now. Um, I did make like a, a cushion thing that wrapped around the tree with, uh, I took like an old Turkey seat and yeah, that's all you need. Yeah. And that, that worked well. It was a little noisy, but now I use the, the knee pads, but it takes up less space too with knee pads. But yeah, I, I kind of, I would say most of the time I sit and then just push my knees into the tree with the knee pads and maybe, I don't know, a third of the time I'm standing. What would you but, rank your comfortability? Zero to ten. Six and a half, seven. Oh, that's not bad. I no, I would even go higher for like a strictly evening or a strictly morning hunt for me. Oh, oh yeah, fantastic. A morning or evening sit, you don't really. It's, I'm at like it's a like nine, like, dude. Like I'm not. Yeah. It's not great, but I'm, I'm not. And there's like some tweaks, right? Because like there, when I first started out, I was probably like a five or six, and again, I had one of those like. Damn, dude, this is not what it was cracked up to be. I can't shoot 360. <laughs> I can't pull my bow back. My fucking ankles hurt. You know, like what and what is going on? Yeah. But there's so much stuff you can do. And I remember like I told Perry this at one point. Like the recliner. Well, oh, yeah. So like there's a backrest, right? Like you could, yeah. which is anything you throw, you could DIY a ratchet strap, just something to get underneath your armpits in like the upper part of your back to lean into. And then and you attach it to like the carabiners on your bridge. So you already have the hardware there. You just need some loops and something to hold your back. Mm-hmm. And then when you like go to draw your bow or whatever, like all you need to do is pivot forward at the hip and like that strap will fall right off you. So it's not inhibiting your draw. You just got to lean forward like two inches at the hip. Um, yep. And then like, it took me a while to figure this out. Right. But I kept hanging my platform parallel to the ground because I hang all of my tree stands parallel to the ground your body is coming off this thing at an angle like this, right? So I, right. I, I, I 
trolling the forum, somebody was like, you need to make sure that your, uh, your platform is perpendicular to your body. So it's just like you're hmm. standing on it as opposed to, it would be like if the ground was like angled up at you, you know what I mean? Like it'd be like you were climbing a hill the way I had it for two or three months. And just that tweak of unscrewing this thing and lowering my platform, you know, 10 degrees lower, like increase my comfort level dramatically. Dude, when you texted me that, I think I was actually in a tree when you texted me, if I remember correctly. And I was like, at first I was, it took me a second to try to wrap my head around what you were saying. And then it clicked and I was like, Oh shit. Duh. That couldn't be more, that couldn't be more obvious. And dude, I literally hung up my, well, my bow was hanging. I didn't have it in my hand. I literally went upside down, adjusted my freaking, um, platform in the tree. And I went from like a six to a, you know, a nine instantaneously. Right, yeah. And it, it made, <laughs> There's just I mean, so it much stuff. Total game changer. It just changing the angle of your platform, you know, by, you know, a couple, a few degrees made all the difference in the world. And there, it's things like that, that like it either, you know, you either draw on someone that has experience has figured out what works and what doesn't, or you just tinker with it and you just, you know, continuously improve it. I mean, I found like you, if, if you're, if you're in there for three, four, even five hours, no big deal. You start pushing six, eight hours more. Yeah. I, you know, I'm fidgety by nature. So it, it gets a little bit, you know, uncomfortable. It's, it's no double ladder stand, but dude, I mean, it's, it's doable. It's very doable. Yeah. And then you look at, so that's just like, that's one thing that you can do with your platform. That's one. Right. And that's it. That's the only adjustment you can really make to your platform right. is that you look at your saddle and you have the rope that connects it to the tree, your tether. You can put that thing three feet above your head at eye level, at chest level, whatever. So there's like, you know, infinite options there. You have the length of that tether. So where your carabiner is on that, that connects to your bridge on your saddle. So you can change mm-hmm. the length of that, which is going to affect the angle and how much lean you have off the tree. And then you have a lot of these saddles now have the Prusik on the bridge and you can adjust the length of the bridge. So you have three different points of adjustment on the saddle with like limitless options for each one, as opposed to the one on the platform, which made like the world of difference for Perry and I. So, you know, you could, you could find yourself in one of these saddles, just like, this is miserable. But if you just like lower your lengthen your tether by a quarter inch or shorten your bridge by three inches, you're like, Holy shit, man, this is, this is awesome. I just want to do that. And it's, and everybody's different. Right. I can't tell you what to do. And every setup is different too, which is something else that you'll learn is that, you know, you might find, I've kind of like found my sweet spot for where I want the length of my tether to be in, in that ideal setup. But, you know, you might get in a tree that has some lean to it, or you might get on some really steep terrain or, you know, all these things that could come into play where it, it is that perfect setup. So you've, you know, you found where you need to be, but then maybe you have to, you know, adjust your, your saddle setup and how you're actually attached to the tree for that particular, um, setup to increase your, your comfortability there. Mm-hmm. And it's all, I mean, that's, you just, you get up yeah, there and you're like, just man, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, exactly. You get a little bit of an idea of it, like in the backyard or on the ground or whatever. And then the, yeah, the only way to actually dial it in is in the tree and sit in it and, deal with it for an hour and all right this isn't working mess with it but that also plays into 
another downside is you move a lot in a saddle. I do anyways. I, f- I catch myself sitting like I'm sitting in a computer chair and just you spinning back lot, and yeah. forth without even realizing yeah. it, yeah. like doing the twist. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I bet <laughs> you do, John. You can't oh, yeah. sit still. Dude, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. <laughs> Dude, I'm swiveling in the tree stand, just like looking around like, man, is it too late to move to that tree like six <laughs> yards away? Yeah. Oh, that that burns. Because I can do it in eight minutes. Ooh. I'm like, man, they're not going to move for 20. That tree's a little better, man. I don't oh. know. I got burned so bad a couple of years ago. There's a spot every year, November 1st, that lights off. It's a private land spot I hunt. And it was November 1st of 2020. And I get it. It was one of the, oh no, I, I had had the saddle for a little while, but I, I think I must've just changed something or changed my setup. Anyways, I get up in the tree first thing in the morning, it's still dark out. First, I almost climbed a dead tree. I, like get to the bottom of this tree. I'm like, Oh, this is perfect. I look up with my headlamp and there are no limbs above 12 feet. It was just a, <laughs> like a 12 foot tall stump. It's like, well, that's not going to work. So I, I find another tree and, uh, get all set up, get in nice and quiet. And right at shooting light, there's a doe walking the ridge to my left and, uh, not, no real excitement. She's probably 75 yards away. 100 yards away maybe so not even five minutes later this little skipper buck is trotting down the trail at her so like oh i wonder if she's in heat so i wait a little bit and then this doe comes barreling ass by me from the opposite direction with that same skipper buck chasing her a few minutes later so i'm thinking i don't know man i maybe i should move up there where her trail was i'm willing to bet that if she's in heat the bigger bucks are not going to be far behind so anyways i end up talking myself into climbing down i'm like i got the saddle i can be on the ground in less than five minutes i can be up another tree in less than 10 15 minutes it's not gonna make a difference in this i gotta move i gotta go to where that doe is gonna get trailed so i slide down get my pack loaded at the bottom i make it 30 yards and a monster, monster, I, I don't even know how big, I don't know if it was a 10, I don't know if it was a not, I don't know what it was. I see it coming from maybe 70 yards away, head down, not even interested whatsoever in where that doe was, but seemed very interested in following whatever walked by my stand in the dark where I just was. And now I'm trying to figure out, I'm in mountain laurel, trying to figure out how the hell I'm going to get a shot at this buck. And he was in bow range and I'm like freaking out, having a meltdown. Like you idiot. If you had just stayed where you were, you'd have another mount on the wall and couldn't get a shot at him. So he ended up winding me. I'm in this like bottom and the wind swirling and he wins me and bolts. And man, I was furious. So went back the next day and uh, ironically enough, I I was telling you guys before I, I live near the sub base the uh, naval base at Grand. So every morning at eight o'clock, they play the Star Spangled Banner. So I always stand up for the Star Spangled Banner and I turn around in the saddle, all like twisty and getting all spun up and tangled in my bridge and tether and everything to stand for the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> and this fucking buck blows from like 30 <laughs> yards away and takes off. Oh, and like, you gotta God. be kidding me. <laughs> so... That was the last time I saw that buck. Blew it both times. That was a woke buck, dude. He wanted you to take a knee. 
Just yeah. to be patriotic, man. The price you pay for patriotism. Yeah, he wasn't going to get that out of me. There was no need. <laughs> That's hilarious. So. That's sweet. Well, you guys talked a little bit. I know we're rolling up on an hour here, but you talked about kind of like the versatility of like all the add-ons and the gear. And there's like a mm-hmm. bunch of different companies and stuff. Um, we don't have to dive into all of it because it sounds like that could be a whole hour by itself. But like, what are a couple of favorite pieces from each of y'all that you've found that are like, you have to have like things that you've added to your saddle arsenal um, that, you know, have kind of elevated your, your saddle game. For me, one of my favorite parts about saddle hunting is the, the tree strap. So you get one of those tether calls at a HYS strap. I think it stands for hang your shit strap. Um, and it, Basically, it's just, uh, it's like an eight foot atrier kind of thing of just like little, almost like molly loops all the way around the tree. So now you can hang your binoculars, your range finder, uh, your grunt tube, your water bottle, your coffee. So now you have all this stuff laid out right at your fingertips, ready to use, ready to go, whatever. And I actually grab it. Just like on the tree. Yep, just wrapped right around the tree. So I just made one of these little hooks here. I don't know if you can see it, but made like a little hook here out of Kydex. And I, I just slide. Though. Yeah, I just slide that right in the loop. Nice. And uh, it, it holds my bow for me right there. I put that at like shoulder height and I'm able to, uh, everything you need is right there. Yeah, so this is something that I had never heard of until the saddle hunting world, but you can use a saddle uh, climber, like whatever. And essentially, and the guy who actually owns Tethered has a video up of making one of these things with just an old ratchet strap that he cut up from his garage. So you essentially take, you just have like one ratchet strap webbing, and then you take a second one and you sew it on top in loops. Mm. And then you put it around the tree, and then you can make like a method to secure it like they have here. But truly, once you have this around the tree, right, and this is like your little tag end. You put one carabiner on one of these and hang your backpack from it, and it tightens around the tree. So your backpack's hanging in front of you, and then you have all the rest of the loops around there to hang your binoculars, your whatever, your bow, your quiver, like water bottle, everything. Which, you know, that's another cool part about, you know, not only can you hide in a saddle, but I like to hang, like, from this strap that's around the tree. One, I have my backpack hanging in front of me. So I need to change my clothes or whatever, grab my thermocell, like all my stuff's hidden behind the tree relative to where I think the deer are going to come from. But I'll also hang my rangefinder and my binos like right there at chest level behind the tree. So your movement is always minimal, obviously under ideal situations, which rarely happens. But, but theoretically, if you did your homework and you got set up right, you can grab your binos and whip them around the tree and never be seen. Nice. Yeah, that, that just having everything laid out like that makes a huge difference because I think we've all been in a tree stand where we see a, a deer coming at us and we're scrambling, reaching, trying to find where we move that bow hanger angle at and we can't find the bow and now we're making a ton of movement. So everything's streamlined as far as movement goes. So I think that's it. That's just a huge advantage. Yeah, and uh, this you said you made one of these, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's and the, exactly the video I used was uh, – yeah. Well, I don't know if it was Ernie or Greg's video. Yeah. Gre- yep. It's Greg. And like, that's the best part that I love about this industry is one, that's one of the biggest players in the game and they have videos up of how to recreate their stuff for free. Um, yeah. That's pretty cool. Value add to your customer base. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of them, I, I, you know, I don't, 
they have some pretty significant military discounts. I know we have a decent military following, so that's something to look at because it is expensive. I think that's something we should probably close on is talk about cost, everybody, because it's yeah, not yeah, as, yeah it's, another, it's another internet myth. It's not the uh, if you have too. a system yeah. that works and you don't want to spend money for a new system, use your system that works. <laughs> yeah, but like <laughs> I paid thirty bucks for this strap. Chris probably right. made it for free. Yeah, I didn't feel I, like I sewing. You know, if your wife wants to sew or something, like you could literally cut some rusty ratchet strap that's in the back of your truck that you haven't opened up in eight years, but you're holding on to because you're a man and make one of these straps <laughs> in, you know, I would imagine how long did it take you to make it? 10 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It's quick and easy. I've made a lot of stuff. I made my own dump pouches. Um, those are clutch too, man. Cause you need, you need a place to hold like your lineman's belt and your tether and, uh, like me, cause I, I carry that 35 foot length and nine mil rope. Um, so that's off my left side with my, my climbing gear and my descender and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I have like my, uh, my tree strap and my, my lineman's belt on the other side. So that, that way they're there. And, yep. And again, uh, like I, I bought my, or I bought my dump pouches. They're probably 10 bucks a pop. Like mm-hmm. you see all these videos on the internet of people cutting up their old hopefully sweatshirt which is still silent so put some grommets in it so that it's not going to fray and just put like some a couple carabiners on there and you can clip that right onto your saddle and you have a silent dump yep. pouch yep, yep. And that's that's something else that you'll you'll figure out is like as as rapidly as the, this style of hunting has taken off in the last few years there's a ton of just DIYers out there that have made a, you know a hundred different modifications to their gear whether it be their their sticks their saddle their you know, their accessories, what have you, but someone has figured out, um, a way to make some tiny little improvement because the cost is a, I mean, the cost is a factor, right? It's that's, that's one of the cons is like, and when I, when I first did it, I was like trying to basically just go bare bones. I wanted to get into, it. I wanted to try it. I knew it was something that I was going to, um, well, I had a strong suspicion. It was something that I was going to, um, enjoy and, but, you know, I didn't want to break the bank and buy every latest and greatest gadget. But, you know, you can find YouTube videos of how to make, you know, modifications. For instance, one of the things that I did that was a huge help for me um, from year one to year two was just changing my steps on my climbing sticks. Um, mm-hmm. I went with the Novix uh, mini sticks uh, for, you know, for that weight. And so I still use, you know, three or four sticks depending on how high I want to get. Um, but to your point earlier, Chris, it's like, there's still bulk and weight associated with that. So I went with the minis, uh, which yep. minimizes that to an extent. Um, it's not too bad. I, you know, I've found that I can hike a decent little ways. I wouldn't want to hike miles and miles with them, but if you're not going too far, it's not bad, but they come with the little, or at least when I bought them, they came with the single with steps. The eighters, huh? Oh, yeah. Gotcha. The, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the eighter helps. Um, that's a big thing. If you're going to run, you can get a lot of height, uh, using an eighter. Um, yeah, I put an aider on mine with AM steel, just that that one single stick, and that aider hangs down probably about thirty six inches or so. But that uh-huh. that's two more steps for me. Except for your bottom stick. stick. Oh yeah, my only stick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that that in itself helps me. I'm not real tall. I'm only like five eight, so I need all the help I can get. So <laughs> so that aider definitely helps me out a lot. But I, you know, I I changed. Uh, last year I took off my single steps and I bought some, some double steps, you know, where mm-hmm. it's got steps on either side and man, right. talking about time your footsteps. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It made all the difference in the world for climbing, just for the ease of climbing, you know, what I felt comfortable with. 
And it's just, it's little things like that. Uh, again, just going back to the, the versatility of it and the modifications that you can do. Um, and again, there's, there's a hundred thousands of videos out there of guys that have, have found some way to, to make these improvements on, on the gear that's out there. And you can mm-hmm. also buy it. Right. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's kind of Carter's question, right. but like I dude, I'm not an engineer. I don't like, I'm not a creative person. So like I see the shit on the internet and I'm like, that looks great. I could probably <laughs> make that in like 20 minutes, but I got 30 bucks. So right. So like <laughs> these wet, like Genesis 3d printing and backwards mobile gear. And like Perry said, I went on Taylor's website today, preparation for this. And I was like, dude, they had a saddle and a platform on there three years ago. And now they got like, got 50, 60 items on there. I don't even know. Right. But there's like a million, you go on the saddle hunter Facebook page. There's so many small companies making incredible products for me. Like I I would highlight, you guys talked about the aiders, like the hiss trap is incredible. Genesis 3d printing makes awesome accessories, 3d printed accessories that like just simple stuff, like a, a Molly hook with a clip that I can hang my, um, like climbing sticks from while I'm climbing. So I have to mm-hmm. make one trip up the tree, which you could accomplish with like night eyes gear ties, right. Or like 550 cord and a carabiner, but that I'm just, I'm not going to lose that. It's permanently stuck to my, um, to my saddle. They make like platform make, hangers so that, yep. um, you know, they make a thermocell clip to put on your hiss strap, which is incredible. Right. Cause for the last three years I've been like hanging my thermocell off cause that's, Saddle hunting aside, I think I've said this on like four podcasts, like thermocell or die. Like if you don't yeah. have a thermocell, go buy one. We need but I'm always trying spot. to figure out where to hang that thing. And this kid just made this, you know, $7 3D printed thermocell clip that just clips onto anything you have. And it's, it works perfectly. Yeah. The, the stuff that comes out of the saddle hunting side of things, it's awesome. I, I just, like I said, I'm not really a, a gadget guy, but I'm definitely a, I want the exact piece of gear that I need for what I want, exactly how I want it. Um, and that's kind of what drives me to, to make my own stuff is I want it exactly how I want it. I don't want to get something in the mail and be like, yeah, it works. But, and I'm sure I know a lot, just about any company right now making stuff for saddle hunting is top notch. They make good stuff, but yeah, there's also like a really big American made push in, in the saddle industry, which is cool. Yep. Yep. That is cool. Yeah. Um, well, we're, uh, rolling up over an hour here, boys, but kind of sounds like the versatility, the mobility, the like limitless options, as far as your accessories, if, if you're thinking about making the, making the jump to saddle hunting, this might be the season to do it. Um, but let's, let's go around the horn here and see if anybody, if y'all got any closing thoughts for us before we, uh, before we jump off here, what do you got for us, Chris? I would just say just to kind of highlight who the saddle hunting kind of thing is for as someone who's going to be looking to lighten their load, lightweight, move around a lot, super mobile in the woods, um, hunt different trees every sit. Uh, that's, that's kind of the person who the ideal saddle is for, or, or the ideal hunter for a saddle, um, who it's not for is those people who really like to hunt like their, their sentimental tried and true stands that, um, their grandfather shot a deer out of 40 years ago. So they hunt that stand all the time. If you're not open-minded to, to moving locations and, 
and you like hunting pre-hung sets or whatever, um, doing that work ahead of time, you're hunting food plots, the same tree in a food plot over and over again, you, you know, a saddle might not be for you. Same thing goes with if you're hunting, uh, you're hunting like a few hundred yards from your truck, I would stick with a tree stand just because of the comfort. Um, once you start getting back to like six, 800 yards, that's where I would say a saddle would really pay off and, and be a lot more enjoyable to hunt out of. And if you're only doing exclusively all day sits, uh, you may want to stick to the, a tree stand. But other than that, man, which really isn't a lot of people, I mean, people are getting farther and farther into the woods now. Um, mobile hunting is a huge thing. So I would say a majority of the hunters out there are probably going to benefit from a saddle, but just be aware of the, the practice and the dedication involved to learning a new system because it, it definitely is a new system. Nice. John, what do you got for us? Um, so I think like I made the initial switch one out of like a lot of curiosity, but two, the promise of weight savings and cost savings. I think the cost saving thing was a little far fetched. Um, because if you, if you want to reach that like level nine comfort level, I'm not like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. You're gonna, you can get like a nice top of the line climbing tree stand for probably like three fifty four hundred 400 bucks. Right. Probably like a, a nice lone wolf for a summit. You're going to spend probably 450 just for a saddle and ropes and you still need a climbing method and a platform or something to stand on, whether it be a platform or your top stick or whatever, but like, it's, it's going to cost a little more, but you have, if you're like a tinkerer, that's it. Uh, weight savings has been incredible. I love being able to walk in like, you know, my, 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 uh, lone wolf climber was only 13 pounds, which when I bought it a while ago was like, that was groundbreaking. Now I'm like, that thing is so heavy on again. Like I said, I'll, it'll <laughs> probably never leave the house, but you know, I also just bought, cause I'm curious and I like hunting a brand new hang on for this year. This is a beast gear, uh, lock on stand. And it actually weighs less than my saddle setup, which I was shocked to find. Wow. What's that? Way? But this is like 6.7. Wow. Damn. Yeah. It's lighter than my saddle setup too. Yeah. Cause you do, I I'm mean, right, you just, right. that's the thing, man, with the saddle, you just end up I have so much stuff on there and it's all great and it has a purpose and it like streamlines everything and makes it super efficient, but you're adding weight. So there are other options out there between this B stand and like the lone wolf custom gear hang-ons. I mean, I've never mm -hmm. even hunted out of a hang-on, so I, I can't really speak for their comfort or like, this is also going to stick up over my head way more than the, the saddle, which is zero inches and inhibit walking through the woods so i'm like plus it's metal it. too that's an advantage we didn't hit on is saddles eliminate a lot of metal a lot of clanging a lot of a lot of that metallic sound in the woods that'll scare deer away. right but if my point was if if weight savings is your your biggest driving factor there are now lock-on options out there so saddle hunting is not for everybody but if you're a tinker or it's intriguing to you and you, and you do have i don't think you don't have to spend a thousand dollars but like you're gonna you're probably going to spend more than five hundred dollars getting uh, initially set up. Nice, but it's it's uh, it's been really 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 fun and rewarding. And has I used to hate deer hunting. I just did it to put some stuff in the freezer, and now it's like become this little like tinkering hobby where I'm you know on forums and reading stuff and trying to figure out how to streamline my setup. So it's 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 made it a lot more fun for me than just having a climber in my backpack. Hell yeah, Perry, hit us with some wisdom. Uh, first off, we'll never understand you, John. Deer hunting is <laughs> awesome. I've never been duck hunting, which you know. You gotta get in the duck blind, dude. Smoke um, cigars and smell smell terrible, and and just be able to talk like this. That's that is <laughs> and, my. And the dogs problem. go pick up the stuff that you shoot. 
Yeah. Don't look up. Don't look up. I need to get into that and then I might change my tune on deer hunting. But you know, I, I echo everything that Chris and John just said for me. Um, like I said, I started bow hunting the first year I started saddle hunting. I also had picked up, um, some access on some new properties that year. And I was like, you know what? I know I'm going to be mobile. It was, it was close to hunting season. I didn't have a ton of time to do scouting and presets and hang stands and all the work that goes into, you know, having those, those tried and true places. And I was like, I just want to be able to, to kind of run and gun. And I also wanted to get more into, um, traveling. I'm, I'm, uh, hoping to do an, an out of state hunt later this year. Um, it's going to be a late season bow hunt, um, up in Ohio, hopefully. Um, and I'm planning to just to run a gun with the bow and the saddle and dude, I, I fucking can't wait for that. It's going to be amazing. Um, and I, and I'll say this too, to Chris's point about, you know, if, if you've got, if you've got that piece of private land, that family farm or whatever, you know, that's what I grew up hunting on. So like that's speaking to me, we had our places where, where we knew were the tried and true places, but I got, I've had so much enjoyment the past couple of years hunting that property differently than I'd hunted it, you know, the previously 20, the previous 20 years because I was mobile because I had a saddle and I could, you know, I could go to some little corner that I'd never, never sat in a tree there before and see an entirely different, you know, um, set of deer movement or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's been a lot of fun. There's, there's obviously pros and cons, but, um, if that's something that, that sounds intriguing to you, give it a shot. That's awesome. Yeah, this has been fantastic. You guys got my wheels turning. I'm, I'm thinking about two pieces of uh, private that I've exclusive permission on and ways I can hunt that differently this season, maybe. So who knows? I might bite the bullet. You never know, man. But hey, we appreciate the heck out of uh, you coming on here, Chris and, and John. Yeah, absolutely. And appreciate you guys sharing your knowledge. Uh, I, my, my closing thought is, you know, listeners, if you haven't read Chris's article, um, on the hunt lift Eat website, go check it out. Hunting saddles, lightweight and mobile, but at what cost? Um, it's a fantastic article. So go check it out. If you're looking for more information on, uh, saddles and, uh, definitely hit up anybody on here. Um, if you have any questions, um, Chris, where can people find you on Instagram? On Instagram, I'm at bam, bam rampage and rampage is spelled R A M P A I G E. Uh, that's the best way to get me. I'm really not too active on the Facebook. Um, but if you shoot me a question at all on Instagram, I'll get back to you. I'm pretty Perfect. active there. Awesome, man. Uh, Ron Jitter, where can people find you on Instagram? Uh, Ron underscore Jitter underscore HLE. And to Chris's point, like we, this is one of the benefits I think of this company and that it's not, we don't have the meat eater following. So if like, if you guys have real time questions and you want to message us on Instagram or whatever, like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm on Instagram every day, but like I'll respond as soon as I read that. It'll probably be within 48 hours. And then once I'm engaged, like I'll have a conversation with you for eight days about it. And, and <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Chris and Perry would too. So it's, yeah. you know, you'll get, if you have like real time questions and you don't have 10 hours, like I did during quarantine to like go through the forums, uh, hit us up and we'll get back to you. I'll Give probably answer pretty region. quick. Cause I'm already <laughs> on Instagram answering the HLE chat. So <laughs> <laughs> Things disaster. Perry, where can we find you, man? Yeah. Uh, you can find me at, uh, perry.r.eisner and, and same thing, man. And it's, it's, it's awesome because this, this HLE community and this team, it's, it's expanded rapidly. There's an absolute wealth of knowledge, um, 
out there, folks all across the country, even outside of, of the U S um, guys that are experts and, you know, it, basically anything you can imagine in this world. And like I said, you know, hit us up. We may not be, I shouldn't say experts necessarily, but I mean, there's a, there's a wealth of knowledge out there. Um, I'm certainly no expert on saddles, but I'd be happy to, to answer anybody's questions. It's like I said, it's been, it's been a lot of fun for me and I think it would be for, for a lot of folks out there. hundred percent. Yeah. So listeners hit up anybody, ask any questions you want. That's what we're here for. Um, we appreciate the hell out of you guys as always. Um, definitely go follow the Hot Lift Eat podcast. That's our new Instagram page just for the podcast exclusive. Um, go follow Hot Lift Eat official if you don't already. And uh, if you like what you hear, leave us a review. Five stars preferably. Perry needs a new pair of shoes. So <laughs> leave us a five star review. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys and we'll talk to you next week.